Welcome to our February 17th edition of Saturday Simulcast, brought to you by the Union Club Hotel, the Boiler Up Bar, the 811 Bistro, and Leaps Coffee. We appreciate them and all that is going on uh, campus and their great facility at the Union Club Hotel. We want to also look forward to our guests for today, and of course that will be uh, Mike Carmen and Tom Deanhart will talk about uh, Purdue basketball, a little Purdue football, a little Purdue women's basketball. And then, of course, uh, Orlando Eiton, who uh, will be hosting a, is hosting a uh, kind of a sale of all of his collectibles in the Big O Sports Room at Bruno's on Saturday from 10 to 4. And then finally, Tim Spiker, who's a former Purdue walk-on basketball player, Played with Matt Painter back in the 90s, a leadership guru. We'll talk about leadership in the Purdue basketball team uh, and other forms of leadership. So uh, enjoy. It's a cold day in West Lafayette, but a good day to hopefully enjoy the rest of this uh, simulcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't make things too complicated. I mean, Purdue had seven first-half turnovers. And they fell behind, and they had three second-half turnovers, and they pulled ahead. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we all know that's a that's a big thing for this team is they have to take care of the ball because they have to get shots up. I think they had 17 offensive rebounds last night, 16 second-chance points. Mm-hmm. Um, that those those numbers just help them push push over the edge. But they are they are a dynamic offensive team, either from three or inside. And if you don't turn the ball over, you, you know, you can't score. Or as Painter said last night, you can't rebound a turnover. Uh, so, you know, they, they that, that that's a big deal for them. It'll be a big deal for the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, again, good contributions from across the board when you look at it. Mason Gillis, and I can't remember if the Big Ten does a six-man of the year. Um, it'd be hard-pressed to find a better six-man uh, in the Big Ten and in the country with his, his production level right now. So the, they're getting it from different places. You know, Bra- Braden Smith continues to elevate every game into one of the nation's top point guards, if, you know, if he's not already there. And I'm glad he was on the Naismith watch yeah. list. I think he'll get on another one here shortly. Um, but, you know, it just – they're a good team. They're better than they were last year. They continue mm-hmm. to kind of prove it. They weathered. Minnesota's hot shooting last night. Um, you know, there, there probably are concerns defensively for Purdue, uh, but when you have the offensive punches they have, you feel like they can kind of overcome that and deal with that. So mm-hmm. it's a good test for them because I don't think they've been behind by double digits since Nebraska. And, you know, we've seen throughout the year they, they come up against adverse moments. And for the most part, other than Northwestern and Nebraska, they've responded to it. Um, whether it's Zach Eady on the bench for extended time with foul trouble or just being behind at halftime, you know, they've kind of picked themselves up and, uh, you know, accomplished the deal. Yeah, no doubt. It was a impressive second half performance and, and a little bit of adversity goes a long way. Tom Deanhart, you used to probably st- sit on your driveway and shoot free throws uh, at a high, higher clip than the Boilermakers have. It's interesting. I did a little ciphering last night, which is nothing great, but uh, Purdue shooting 63% in its last four games in Mackey, but away from home, 
77%. I understand it kind of comes down to a couple guys. I know, I know lawyer was one for three last night, but it really comes down to Edie and Trey Kaufman Wren, the free throw shooting problems. Uh, I know you got to watch the game on the, on the tube last night, but talk about uh, just that whole notion of anxiety, free throws. Maybe it's fans anxiety. Is this something that, uh, you know, as, as Matt Painter and others say, you don't try to miss them, but Purdue is causing themselves Mm -hmm. A little bit of gnashing of teeth uh, from the free throw line, especially at home. Yeah, just leaving a lot of points there, obviously, at the line. And um, I think Zach Eady missed six six free throws. I think he was 8 of 18 from the field. Um, just off on that touch uh, right around the basket. But yeah, yeah, Alan, to your point about the free throws, um, it's going to cost you maybe at some point, right? Again, um, in the NCAA tournament, we've all witnessed it. And uh, the, the margin for error is so slim, and you got to cash in on your opportunities. And Alan, you noted the trend here. I think someone broke it down too. Um, it continues to spiral downward for Purdue as far as your accuracy goes overall. So, and Zach Eady especially was so uh, almost such a money man for such a big guy early on shooting free throws, and he's really sort of struggled to have a consistent touch of late. And um, yeah, something you got to get sorted out. I know, I know the team practices it obviously uh, often and. To, and, and another point, you know, I think, Alan, you mentioned adversity. Mike mentioned adversity. And I think that's the ultimate is to see what you're what, see what you're really made of. When you get punched in the nose and your knees are wobbling, you feel like the world's collapsing on you. What's your response? And that may be an overdramatization of last night. But um, to come back, you know, trail by eight at halftime, win by eight all behind by 10 at one point in the second half uh, to keep steadying yourself against a Minnesota team that was shooting lights out, you know, says a lot. And uh, sometimes it's, you know, fans don't like those nail biters, those harrowing uh, uh, conclusions or close games, but it's such such a good, good experience for players to continue to to have to navigate those types of situations. I think against Alabama too, they were down by 12, maybe even the second half. That was another team that shot lights out against Purdue. So, again, a, a nice test, better than a blowout. Now they go to, what, Ohio State Sunday, 1 p.m. CBS game. And you look at the schedule, guys. I mean, there's a chance they could have went out. I think that game in Champaign is going to be a tough one, obviously, against the Illini. But Purdue's got, what, a two-game lead on the Illini. Uh, I think a three-game lead on everybody else. So they have a buffer here. Um, what's What are the Buckeyes going to have, too, right, with the coaching change? And how's that going to affect their – their 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 personality and, and their want to I guess so I'm not saying it's a trap game but it's going to be interesting to see what the Buckeyes have and uh, and boy that, that that's been a arena that's been tough over the years for 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 Purdue to win in for sure yeah it will be interesting to see with uh, Chris Holtman's departure in the middle of the year or not in the middle toward the end of the year but the mm-hmm. strange situation uh, uh, not surprising that they that they got rid of him, Mike. It didn't surprise you at all from that standpoint. But it did, did it surprise you? It was early, you know, before you know before the season was over. I mean, it, it, or do you think something happened, and or did I miss the memo on what what did happen? Uh, well, I, I, I think the memo is what happened is they've underachieved the last two years. Yes, mm-hmm. and no question. And they and they brought in really good recruiting classes, and they've had some guys leave for the portal. So the the thing that surprised me was a the timing. Uh, you yeah. just don't expect something like this in mid-February. Why not let it play out? And the other part, because of the dynamic at Ohio State with Gene Smith leaving at the end of the academic year, and they've already hired a new AD. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I've read, I've read some stories of, you know, how it's going to work, but just the fact that, that it was allowed to happen. Yeah. Going AD pulls the trigger on firing a coach. And now the new AD is going to help hire the coach, but Steve Smith's going to play a role in that. It just seems really, really weird to, uh, to, to have it go down that way. But I, I do think probably Goldman was going to be gone at the end of the year. So if you know that decision, then, and it, it's, and it's never just one game. This is something that's been building, whether it's this year and the, the carryover from last year. So from that standpoint, it wasn't a surprise. Now, you know, where does Ohio State go? I mean, they're not going to go hire the top assistant at whatever. They're going to get a proven coach um, with the Big Ten. My theory is with the Big Ten and the SEC aligning in football and having all these committees that the Big Ten is seen as a safe spot for coaches when you look at resources and stuff. So I think Ohio State will have a lot of interest from, from sitting head coaches that have mm-hmm. that have proven record that they want to get their seat at the table before whatever happens in college athletics is going to happen here where they want to be the place that has, you know, the NIL money, the, the resources for staffing, the ability to recruit facilities and all that. And Ohio State can offer that. Offer that. I, I I think there should be a lot of interest from sitting head coaches right now for that job. Yeah, that's a good great job. Great job. A great job. You guys know the history there. Fantastic job. Yeah, Bruce Weber always said best job in best job in the Big Ten. He said, "Think it, about this. Think about this. The two worst teams in the Big Ten are Ohio State and Michigan." Yeah. Has that ever happened? And what's going to happen to Juwan Howard? Too? I'm just. I can't believe Michigan is as horrible as it is, and Ohio State struggled too. Again. I got so many memories of, of the Buckeyes beating the Boilermakers and <laughs> you think the roster of players, Jim Jackson, going back to Herb Williams, you know, Troy Taylor, you know, I mean, uh, I'm down the line. I mean, great. Ronnie Stokes. Yeah, <laughs> Kellogg. I mean, there's guys that are just in the titles, the final fours, unreal talent, unreal, just unreal support over there. So I think Mike's right. That's That's a plum job. There's going to be a long, long line for it. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, the other thing about Ohio State and Michigan this year is Purdue kind of catches the break. They, they, did. they go to Ohio State and then they go to Michigan. Yeah. With normal years, those would be, if you yeah. got a split out of that, you'd be really happy. But now Purdue has a golden opportunity to win both of those games on the road and solidify itself in chasing the, the Big Ten championship. So the schedule is mm-hmm. kind of, I think, going to work in Purdue's favor this year to kind of. Get uh, get another Big Ten championship. Eighteen and two, or seventeen and three, maybe we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think it's realistic. It's interesting though. Ohio State, of course, Michigan's well under five hundred. Ohio State fourteen and eleven, but four and ten in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And as Matt Painter said last night, and and we all know Ohio State's got talent. I mean, there is talent there, and they can they can provide some issues uh, for Purdue on Sunday. It makes you wonder if they can do it for 40 minutes and what their emotional state would will be. Yeah. It seems to me to be the the big question, Mike. I mean, do you see a game? It's a, I mean, it's interesting with Purdue too. I mean, Edie as good as he's been and he has been great, uh, without question. But shooting, he's had two or three games here in a row, or three out of the last four. We shot under 50 percent from the field, mm-hmm. uh, which is an interesting dynamic for him. Uh, 
I guess first address uh, the, the emotion of Ohio State, but then second, Zach Eady, I, I know he's not going to be sitting on the bench because he's not playing well, but he's not, maybe, is it Purdue not playing at its best yet? I actually ask you three questions in one statement, so <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Well, fire away, my friend. I have a terrible habit of doing that. Go ahead. Well, most coaches say, well, I answered the last one first. Um, I don't <laughs> I tend to do that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, you know, there, there's going to be a little bit of motion involved, but you never know with coaching changes where the players happy that there's a change made yeah. or they had a change is made or have they already thought about getting in the portal. So, mm. you know, you, you don't know that, but there, there will be a wave of emotion. I think probably early, early, uh, you know, if they really like Chris Holtman, then maybe they're going to go out and play for him a little bit harder. But, you know, with Zach, he's getting the shots he normally gets. Um, are they calling every foul now? Probably not. Um, but I do agree with Tom, the free throw situation, it, along with the turnovers, are a little bit concerning as far as when you get a tight game and being able to get to the line and hit that. So, um, Zach, you know, he, he doesn't shoot well, but he's still an intimidating presence there. And you gotta you got to choose if you're going to play, play man-to-man straight up or you're going to bring a double. I think we saw a combination of both last night with Minnesota playing him single coverage, but also bringing the double team. You know, Zach had some turnovers last night out of the double team, and that, that's that's gonna, that's a little bit of concerning too. But, I, you know, I think Zach will be fine, you know, once he kind of gets comfortable, gets back to being comfortable again, and, uh, you know, kind of get in a rhythm offensively, then, you know, I think he can, he can weather whatever, what, whatever's going on right now. All right, we're not gonna we're not gonna cry for Zach Eady and his ability yeah. at this point. Four turnovers for Zach Eady last night. Uh, that was uh, interesting, boy, uh, Tom. And from your viewpoint last night, one thing about Minnesota, Ben Johnson seems to have, and Brian talked about this as well. Really have things going all the way. I I would like to I'd like to be Mike Carmen's agent, but secondly, I would like to be Cam Cam Christie's agent. He is uh, he is really a good looking guy in terms of a player. And yet Ethan Morton shut him down in the second half. I thought one of the best things about the game for Purdue, at least if you're a Purdue uh, follower is the fact that Ethan Morton played well, but also Caleb first came in and did yeah. something for the first time yeah. in quite a while. Uh, and I think his confidence seemed to be, at least watching the body language uh, seemed to really rise up. Uh, uh, what other, what other thoughts do you have on that subject? Yeah, I was going to mention first, you're right, when Zach got those fouls early on and Caleb came in, I think he finished with five points, I think, and he got a hoop right away when, when he hit the court. So, you know what, man, it, it is hard when you're not playing. Yeah. Um, it's just it's, it's just discouraging if you're a player. Maybe I'll speak for myself, but <laughs> it's not as hard to keep your head in the game. You can start feeling sorry for yourself. Uh, woes me, I'm not playing. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case with any of these guys, right? Some, some of them had to check their ego and their pride at the door. You know, Mason Gillis coming off the bench. Yeah, unreal. Yeah, Mike talked about him. I, I think he's my favorite player on the team, the, the ultimate Swiss Army knife. You typically know what you're going to get from every night. He, he can do it all, man. And that's the, that's the guy I would take to a back alley brawl with me too. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – you know, uh, uh, again, first was big, and, and Mike talked about the continued great play, Braden Smith. Boy, people are always asking, well, how is this Purdue team different than last year's Purdue team? Well, there you go, yeah. uh, Braden Smith. I mean, Fletcher Lawyer has been way too up and down. But Braden Smith, boy, um, you can typically count on getting a pretty solid game from him every time out. 
talked about Mason Gillis too. Lance Jones has been pretty consistent as well. And uh, again, um, uh, you can tell this team gets along and likes each other too. Ethan Morton, we have to put his post-game pressers on satellite radio now or subscription radio, but that's another guy, you know, he's, he seems like he's embraced his role. Maybe he's thrilled with that role. Um, but again, that's another guy who's know your role, right? Yeah. He's plays it with pride and he plays it hard. And again, that's not, not, not even, not everybody wants to do that in life. And again, I take my hat off to those guys for, for, uh, for being able to, again, um, buy into that whole team concept to use some coach speak there. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask, I'm going to give you a warning here, Mike, and ask a women's basketball question. And Tom will tell a little football on our last question of this. Mike's uh, other uh, avocation, the last word, uh, his, uh, uh, which you can subscribe to, and it's excellent coverage of, of, and he's been doing it for centuries, if not decades, uh, for Purdue women's basketball and Purdue sports in general. But uh, make sure you check that out. But Purdue has won two out of his last three. They're not going anywhere, maybe nowhere in the postseason, barring a miracle run in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and yet they have another home game on Saturday. Then again, are things looking a little bit up just based on the fact that they scored what it went on a 27 to nothing run, four touchdowns, missing an extra point against Northwestern? Are things looking up? I mean, how, how do you see where Katie Gerald's program is right now, and and um, how do you see it moving ahead? Well, I mean, when you win two out of your last three after you've lost seven in a row, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are, are looking up. And their whole goal right now, so they, I mean, they've had to readjust their expectations this year. Everybody's kind of had to readjust to what they thought could happen this year. You know, maybe another incremental step moving up in the standings, maybe get in the NCAA tournament outside the play-in game. You know, none of that's really going to happen. So you have to readjust. And right now the goal for them is just not to be playing on the first day. And tournament, and they have an opportunity with uh, some home games against teams in their in their weight class. Yeah, and uh, they got two road games uh, against teams again in their weight class. So the 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 opportunity there to move out of that first day is clearly ahead of them. They played really well at home. I wouldn't expect that to change. Just a matter of if they have enough firepower to get it done. But when you look ahead on how their recruiting is going, who they've signed, who they've got commitments from, who they're looking at. Talent, more talent is coming. And I keep telling people, the, <clears throat> the best player on the team right now isn't even playing, Amaya Reynolds. I mean, she's a top 40, top 50 player coming out of high school. She had foot mm -hmm. surgery at the end of her senior year. They've redshirted to this year for <clears> – <throat> because they wanted the full four years out of her. Uh, she's getting some reps with the scout team. She's getting some reps with the, the starters. She's a dynamic player. She's a aggressive, elite type of athlete. And, excuse my friend, she's a badass on the court. She doesn't yeah. take crap from anybody. She gives it. Uh, she's one of those players that has a, a swagger to her. And she would really elevate the talent on this team. And then when you start adding the recruits they have coming in, and then the commitments and what they potentially could do in the portal this year. They're going to have to get in the portal. They're going to have to get a wing and potentially a post player to really push them forward. I think that's going to be the main thing to watch in the offseason for them is what can they get done in the portal? Because they do need some help. They need some scoring help. But mm -hmm. the talent is coming. 
And, you know, no one likes to be patient, but it, this program was not in a great shape when she took over and all the circumstances involved in her, in Katie becoming the head coach. And it's just, it's been a long climb back. You know, I think they're going to get there, but there's still probably a year or two before mm. they get to the level that maybe fans have been accustomed to and where they want to be. But um, better days ahead for them. But, you know, this year it's just about getting out of that, that first day of the Big Ten tournament. And they're going to have to win some home games here and uh, to get that done. Tom, uh, February might be the only month that you can kind of exhale in the wonderful world of football coverage. I don't know if that's fair. It's easy for me to say you're doing the job. I'm not. So, uh, but spring game has been set for April 13th. Spring ball is going to start uh, and, and, and after spring break. Any other, uh, what other updates? What do you kind of, as you start to look ahead to spring ball, you got a lot of new players. Uh, what will be some of those top storylines that you're going to be following? First of all, you two guys are badasses. <laughs> I know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Mike Mike helps me out with football. And I tell you what, um, they, I guess things are still a little bit. Um, it's a recruiting dead period right now. I think it opens back up March 4th, so nothing on campus or off campus at all. Uh and you're right, Alan. Uh, I guess first up is March 7th is going to be Purdue's Pro Day. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of drama around it this year, given, the, the I guess, the dearth of, of real legitimate prospects. Tyrone Tracy really being the only one with a, well, with a real likelihood of getting drafted. But I included a roster of the guys who are going to work out and boiling over on Thursday so fans can check that out. And so we'll see the Combine's coming up, too. Uh, Tracy will be at the Combine. And uh, I'll try to stay in touch with Tyrone. And then, like you said, Alan, March 19th is the beginning of spring football. They're going on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Tuesday, Thursday practices are early. And the Friday ones are later. They wanted the players to have the weekends off, I was told. Uh, there'll be no media access on Fridays, just on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And no, fans aren't allowed to attend. <laughs> Um, I know much of their chagrin, and I, I wish that was the case, too. And the media is only going to be able to watch the early periods as well. So that's sort of been the M.O. so far under Walters is just to watch the first four, five, six periods, which is basically nothing. Guys stretching and doing some individual drills. And then we'll come back later for the interviews. But again, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of questions and storylines we can talk about at a later date. And been talking to the portal transfers, 14 guys, and be a chance to, I guess, to see what those guys look like in the full pads. So, you know, Mike's covered a lot of spring footballs. You know, you never want to get too excited about spring football. Um, a lot of guys will be limited, won't participate at all. I learned George Byrne, the tight end, is going to probably miss all the spring ball with a broken foot. I'm sure Gus Hartwig will be limited. You know, other guys coming off injuries will be limited. So, long story short, don't – read too much into it but it's still a kind of a fun way to wet wet our appetite give us a little sneak peek <clears throat> on maybe what's lying ahead for purdue as they move into that 18 team big 10 conference so ought to be a lot of fun and and yeah before i sign off i, I want to swing it back to alan swing back to hoops real quick alan maybe you can make yeah, this go ahead. Fire away. Given, given your your length and and, and purdue knowledge why don't you give me right now as of this day your top three boilermakers of all time 
You know, I I can't imagine that it that Zach Eady. It's it's hard to put it in context, but I I think Glenn Robinson, Zach Eady. Uh, I know John Wooden was good, but I, I it was a little bit before my time. But I'll I'll throw Rick Mount, uh, Zach Eady, and and uh, and uh, Glenn Robinson together and mix them all up. You can't minimize that. What's the one again? No, no. You, give me the one, two, three. Uh, you ask your hard questions. You don't I, I, have to. Two, I don't want to make anybody mad. If you're a two-time national player of the year, I don't know how you're not number one. And I know, you know, I know Glenn Robinson was Glenn Robinson. Rick Mount was with Rick Mount, but this guy, this guy is a really been special. And, all, 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 all are different for sure. You know, no doubt. They're all different players, all extremely talented, but, uh, uh, it, fans it, love those debates. That could be our LeBron versus Michael debate, and on this yeah. website, yeah, and we'll get the Carmi. I was gonna say, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that that's. Can you minimize? I'm not minimizing Zach's uh, accomplishments here, but uh, in the grand scheme, it's hard to beat that. It is, and it, it and it's all based, uh, in my opinion, on where he started when he got here. Yeah, where mm, he yeah. Everybody else you've mentioned. Yeah. Highly ranked, you know, mm-hmm. top of the class. Talent was there. I mean, Rick Mount's on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a high school guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Robinson was Glenn Robinson. I mean, a lot of hype for him, but you had zero, and I mean zero hype <laughs> for Zach Eady, other than he was tall and he was visiting Purdue and he reclassified. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know the story. I mean, Painter wanted to redshirt him initially until they saw him on the practice floor and thought, no, we got, we got to play this guy. But even going back to his freshman year, he played 20 minutes, split time with Trevion Williams. He's picking up offensive fouls because he can't control his elbows. And, you know, he was, it was a, you know, it, t- it took him a little bit time to, to settle in. And once he did, he's taken off. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, they're different eras. Um, yeah. And everybody's going to have their opinion on who they think, you know, should the ball be, you know, for for a number one all time player, should the ball be in his hands more, like a guard, yeah, like a Rick Pounder or something? You know, someone has to pass the ball to Zach Eaton, mm-hmm. not bringing up the floor, at least bringing the ball up the floor, at least not yet. Maybe that's the first. <laughs> day. Um, but it's just hard to wrap your head around what he's done mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the time he's done it and where he started. And where he's at now that's to me that's just it's a remarkable story it's got to be one of the better college basketball stories of the last decade or two in my in my opinion for a, a high profile program like purdue but he, he's just he's been tremendous and uh but you know it doesn't minimize those other guys and what they did at purdue and the accomplishments that they had um you know he's gonna you know got a shot to break the all-time record for points, I mean, he's going to get the all-time rebound record here shortly. Yeah, uh, but he's going to do it like those other guys in the old days did it. You know, he did it by with two pointers. He has one yeah. three-point in his career, so he's done it in a similar fashion to some of these other guys. But you know, just the it's a different age, different you know attention and social media and all that has kind of magnified magnified even more. Yeah, no doubt, and. Uh, Three more appearances in Mackey Arena for Zach Eady. Uh, if you're a Purdue fan, 
uh, you best enjoy it because it's it has been an unbelievable ride to watch him had to watch him play. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for your expertise. Uh, it was a uh, stunning as usual and uh that part uh that part uh we always know but we'll be we'll be back shortly with the next segment on and uh our special guest a guy we all know orlando lighten is going to come and talk about you know not only closing his restaurant but uh his memorabilia sale on saturday as well so we'll have some fun with that so stay tuned we'll be back in a couple of minutes if i can hit stop Segment two, Golden Black Live, and we really are, we're in the thick of things here at at, at uh, the Big O Sports Room. Bruno's, as everyone knows in the Lafayette area, uh, had, is closing, and that's a, that's a bittersweet time for the Eiton family, but uh, uh, the Big O Sports Sale tomorrow, and that's what time is it tomorrow? We're going to go 10 to 4 here at, the, here at Bruno's. And, and we are amidst all the items and and we're in the we're in the uh, i guess you call this room the uh, this is the main we call it the big o sports room but but the whole area and you've got how many pe- how many pieces are going to be i would say there? i would say there's probably at least a, probably a thousand items uh not my complete collection everybody thinks we're getting rid of everything but uh i still have i still have some items uh have some possibilities down the road in the future i'm not uh not, not going to give out too many information but when i do uh, I can get a hold of Alan and let him know. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're the yeah. conduit to all, everything, everything information. Got, we've always got something going on in the future. So next, yeah, well, that, and, and the that, next, the next step, I think. Yeah, and I think that that was a question that a lot of folks have had. Is you know, is this this is uh, obviously the closing of the restaurant on on Brown Street uh, due to a, a project that's going on at a hotel and 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 uh, apartment complex coming in and other things, but. This isn't necessarily the end. I know you guys aren't ready to talk about uh, exactly what's next for Bruno. Exactly. But, yeah. but are you safe to say that something is next? Yeah, we, I think something. There's always something going to uh, something always pop up. We know we always got our, our ears open to see what's going to happen. And uh, you know, the sports memorabilia with me is, you know, with Purdue and everything, I've got a lot of extra things. So I wanted to make some of the availability to some of the people that've been been here a long time and they've seen a lot of the items. So some of the things will be available to them, put them in their own, in their own collection and uh, keep them going on. Cause uh, I'm getting a little older now. So I got, I got to get rid of a few things. I, I don't know if I need, all my nieces are going to want to try to get rid of all this someday, but, but uh, it's going to make it a little easier on them. Plus I can share with some of uh, some of my items I've collected for the last, you know, 50 years, you know, 50, 60 years since I've been collecting and uh, give everybody out a chance to enjoy as much as I've enjoyed it. And uh, I've had some ex players reach out. I've given some stuff back to the players and some of our, some of the, People work for me that on the walls that played here and played volleyball here. And uh, I've had their parents come and get the pictures off the ball. And uh, it's been kind of fun doing that. And I've had some phone calls from other players. And I also had some phone calls from some next players want to know if they needed help, needed some help to keep it going. I said, well, right now, you know, right now the future is going to be bright. We'll have something going and something, something might happen. But uh, timing is right for the family. Uh, it's going to be a great project down here. I know. Some people are kind of against some of the development, but it's going to be you know, like a two-two uh, two seven-story building is going to make the villa, the levee is going to really improve here, and we're going to have a lot more uh, people coming to this area. We're going to have some retail, and uh, 
as an apartments, a little bit of mixed, mixed use, and uh, I think it'll be a great complex. Well, you know, it's interesting because you in 1999 had to make a move across the way. Yeah, it was, it was 99, right? And that was a forced move. That was the state yeah. came. The state came and did that intimate domain. So this is kind of, we've been working about three years, the project on this right now. And uh, now I want to let everybody know, you know, we, we, we negotiated with them for three years. And so uh, it's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's bittersweet, very yeah. bittersweet. That's what we, we've said that word. My brother and I have said that word <laughs> so many times in the last week and a half. It's only been a little over a week. Since our last day, and it seems like it's been like a month already. But you know, we've been getting some stuff ready here, and you know, and we noticed, you know, we've been keeping some of the equipment. So when when the people come by, if they see us taking a lot of equipment out, that's a good sign. That means uh, must be something going on with that. So oh, yeah, we'll, we'll that, see what happens. There isn't any question of something. And you're right; it is a, the the Eiton family with with O Orlando, who's was sitting next to me, and brother Bruno and sister Tina. It has been a family tradition dating back to your dad, 1955. Yeah, 55. I remember the days of Blessed Sacrament and all the things that uh, our church, that, uh, that uh, the Great Supper that uh, your dad brought together. It's it's a phenomenal tradition. And I were you surprised by the outpouring in the last week? I mean, it was it it became a social media thing, and then all of a sudden, everything yeah, started. It, it, it was overwhelming with the support from the community, and you know, it's been that way for. All these years, that's what we've been, you know, we, we built our business was built on all the families and all the community. And so that way we stayed in business with all the people in the area to come out and support us. And, uh, you know, the last two nights, I want to put a little quick plug in. One of my good friend of mine, Brad Cohen was here. Uh, yeah. Both nights. Uh, the last two nights he was here both nights. So. Yeah. And, and then my it, dad and Arnie were the best of friends. My dad, Reed and Arnie, when he first opened up, about 10 year difference. We were 10 years ahead of them. And uh, the families have been really close. And I think people don't realize it. You could be a business and still be friends, be competitors and still be friends. And uh, yeah. we put that little West Lafayette Red Devil uh, push in there since Allen's. Yeah, uh, there you go. Well, and, and, all of us. And there's no great, in my view, because I, I, you know, Brad wrote such a nice note, I think, he on did. Facebook about uh, that we post on our site, but no greater really. Uh, talking about the great community that we have here and you guys are the two shining examples because that's really what this place has been all about it's been the community and this has been a place that people come to before Purdue basketball games but also Christmas Eve is the biggest thing here uh it is uh it has been a phenomenal tradition uh for a very very and we've long. had so many generations of people yeah. you know, they got married here and they're like grandkids and grandparents on a generation so we're already third generation with the family and the nieces and everybody. So it's been a, it's a big, it's a big, a big family affair. And it's like, a, you know, I always look at everybody's family. So we keep, yeah. keep track of everybody, how get employees to call us back and a good, uh, you know, a good outreach and an outpouring of support from the, some next employees. And, you know, a lot of the, and we've heard a lot, we've heard a lot from, the, you know, people who went to school here, you know, call me back or come to visit. But the sad part is a lot of the ones come back to town. They don't know we're closed up. So it's kind of sad <laughs> when they come to the door and we had people, we were here last night doing some things and you know, there's ladders everywhere and things are and people walk in the door one day they go, can I get a table for two? And I go, have, <laughs> no. you, looked, have you looked around a little bit? And, and ladders everywhere and the ovens are kind of missing. And, but uh, yeah, it's, it was, it's, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been overwhelming support. Yeah, no doubt. All right. This, this place, if you, if you're listening to this before Saturday at, uh, or watching this uh, 10 to four on Saturday for the, uh, for the uh, sale, 
it is a virtual museum of Purdue. It's not all Purdue stuff, but very, very, yeah, very, very, very vast majority. But I could sit here for about another five hours. Some of our gold and black covers yep. are here, game programs to signed helmets. How many helmets are there? Probably, I right? think there's probably a, at least 100 mini helmets. I've probably got over probably 150 jerseys of uh, former Purdue players that are professional jerseys or, or Purdue jerseys, programs, autographs. We have some of the posters, cheerleader, cheerleader pictures and things that are on the walls. Uh, a lot of things are signed to Bruno's. Uh, a lot of things signed to Big O. So a lot of times I had the same item signed to both of us. So I've got some extras. So, you know, I'm not getting rid of all my stuff. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's not like a fire sale or anything, but it's going to be somewhere I can share some of the memorabilia with other people. And they can, you know, I know everybody's got a little man cave or something they want to put up and yeah. So we got a little little bit of everything. You got a lot of everything. And here. we're gonna let we're probably you know, depending on the crowd, we're gonna have you know 25, maybe 25 people at a time to come in so everybody can kind of don't have it, be able to see everything, and then we'll kind of let people come and go and we'll kind of control the crowd if, you know, as long as the snow stays away too bad. <laughs> yeah, see everybody get here. So well, your story has been about the relationships you've built. I mean, yes, the, the high profile guys, the Drew Breeses of the world, your close friend, and has always been supportive of this. Uh the Mike Allstotts, the Roosevelt Colvins, the Bob Greasies. We've all we've been in here with all these guys over the years. The Mark Hermans, the Bart Burles. I'm down the line. Talk about that. I mean, just the the the, the life you've had in this. You're obviously been a big big sports guy your entire life, but the ability to yeah, you've collected stuff, but it's all been about building relationships but with all these people. I think the relationship to be to be able to know these guys and talk to them and and, and uh, keep in touch with them. I've had. And there, one that Alan didn't mention, I had Dustin Keller reached out yeah. and talked to Dustin a lot, and he'd been local, you know, local going to Lafayette Jeff and being here, a really good friend. And an NFL first rounder, uh, by the way. But and yeah, then, uh, <laughs> he, yeah, he, he uh, and I also I got to send I had a, a jersey for Bart Burrell. We got that, we got that mailed out to Bart. I think he's gonna we're gonna send it to Florida, or we're gonna put or his daughter's gonna take that, and I've had some other players reach out for some of. And Matt Light's Matt Light's daughter was in. She goes to Purdue, and I had a picture of. Uh, myself and Matt making pizza and she goes, can I get a copy of that picture? And so she came down there day and I dug that picture out and uh, that's kind of fun. Now you get, you get all these kids are going to school. Their dad, their parents are athletes here. You know, it's amazing. You know, Conza Martin's son, you know, here and you get everybody coming in to visit. Now these are, they got their kids going to school. It's really, really cool to see that. And I always made it, always had a story with a lot of the ex players. I said, you guys don't come back to visit. I'm going to take your picture off the wall. <laughs> so I put somebody else up. So that was kind of my, to give a little dig, a little dig into them. So, well, I think you provided your fair share of pizzas to these these guys over the years, and uh, uh, and uh, have been very, very gracious. Even with Golden Black, he has been a sponsor of ours and and a supporter of so many things that we've been about doing back to even before I was with Golden Black. Uh, it's been extremely important to our our success. And part of the, you know, like I said, it is it is the ultimate family uh business but it's it, you're, it really involves the purdue family and then some all right we got to ask you a little basketball okay. question because obviously the boilermakers had a challenging one uh last night got the job got done the got over the hump and but uh, and i know you want to do you're going to just you, you and, and tom shot of course longtime purdue uh administrator and uh still still working over and worked in athletics and worked at the university now uh but Talking about the fact that you still like, you love these memorabilia shows, Chris Pate, uh, another guy that uh, collects. It's important this stuff 
stays around. I mean, that's yeah, the thing. It's the history of, of Purdue sports, uh, men and women, that you're telling by all these items. And yeah, we're trying to keep the history alive. And what also, you mentioned Chris Payton, I've got a couple other younger collectors. I've kind of passed on, I guess I cast, kind of passed the torch down. I started getting some of my <laughs> you're items. You're too young for that. Items <laughs> to them because their collections are going to keep getting bigger. So yeah, I think they're doing some, some things going on at Purdue that are going to be some displays possibly in the future. I know I think there's something going on. I don't know exactly, but I don't know if I can, I, I, I can't say too much about that, but there are going to be some possibly some displays going on. I know I am working on a, a thing with the West Lafayette library for my collection of West Lafayette athletes. Uh, matter of fact, we're in the process that highlighting, highlighting some exhibit at the, at the library. I think uh, my Bob friend collection, I have a lot of stuff from Bob friend. A lot of people don't realize that he went to West Lafayette You know, I've got George Carl office. And then we're going to go, we'll go over to the Harrison group. We'll have Eric Bruntlett, Josh Dunn, Josh, Josh Lindblom. Well, and we're going to have probably going to have Todd Dunwoody involved with that, and maybe Eric Sable and uh, Josh Loggins. So we're going to we're going to have to keep some of that memorabilia going. So I can't have it all at my house, and it says I don't, <laughs> since I don't have a restaurant to display it anymore. I got to kind of branch it out, and I think eventually uh, the caretakers' cottage is looking for for some memorabilia, and I think we can highlight some stuff in there, and maybe some of my astronaut items, and uh, you know some other things, maybe Johnny Wood and a few things there. So we're going to kind of get a little piece of that a little bit now. Almost like a traveling road show, but we'll have a museum. You know, have a museum where people. I, I want. I don't want it stuck in a basement somewhere or a yeah. closet, and I want to see. I want to be availability where people can go look at it and see the history and preserve preserve the history. And we try to do more of that over at Purdue right now. We can get some of that done with some of that with some of the Purdue stuff, and you know, show the the history of every, everything. You know, I always try to. I take credit, which I, I do not deserve. But you and I went to a baseball game, my first Cubs game, nineteen sixty nine. We're the Babe Ruth state champions, and and I'm I'm busy trying to get Ernie Banks' autograph. Hank Aaron hits the ball, hits to your seat. You grab the ball, get it signed. I think Ernie Banks. I'm probably embellished the heck out of the story, <laughs> and I know it didn't start your it didn't start your collection. But where did you? I mean, is this something that you, you, when you it's, started it? How did it get going? Somebody asked me on a, a, a TV interview this week. They asked me, well, "How did you start collecting?" Well, I started collecting baseball cards a year when I was a kid, like. On the west side, I'd go up the hooks, you know. Yeah. I'd go get a box of cards. And then my first real encounter was going to Purdue games over at Rossade. It was probably, oh, probably Leroy Keyes' freshman year, freshman or sophomore year. Uh, I chased down, chased him down after the game and got his chin strap. Yeah, that was, was a like, big deal back you know, then. Everybody's still doing it. You know, I'm going to be my late 60s. Now I'm still chasing, still, <laughs> still chasing players. So it's kind of almost embarrassing sometimes to go to a ball game and uh, try, to, try to get something from somebody. But that's. It's kind of fun doing that. It keeps the kid in me alive. So, yeah, you've had some great names: Glenn Robinson, Leroy Keys, of course, legends. Uh, Rick Mount. You did a memorabilia show with Rick when yeah. Tom shot here a couple of weeks ago, and that was good to see Rick back in the fold too. Because uh, it is important to Purdue people. Yes, and and you are it, it, the history of this program. We're living history. Maybe this year uh, uh, with this basketball team, but uh, this is the great tradition of this program: football, basketball. And it's not just it's not just football and basketball. You've got to you've got to produce great volleyball tradition here. Uh, and, we had a couple and, of volleyball girls out there at the show. So, yeah. and the show's put on. Yeah, with, Chloe Shaquan's yeah, a good yeah. prize. Yeah, she, had a, yeah. she had a big crowd. And we had uh, Dylan Thienem in there. And we also added on a, we kind of did a little different. We got Bruce Barker from the Piano Man's a good friend of mine. And we had people mail in cactus cups to get signed. I thought that was awesome. So, yeah. it's kind of a Tom Shot and myself and Eddie Keister. We formed a group. It's called Rail Splitters Authentics. And we have a website with some Purdue pictures and autographs and 
So we get a lot of things. So we're now we're you know working on our next show in August at the fairgrounds. And so that's going to continue yeah. and tell you with you and Tom doing those yeah. are terrific. And Eddie, uh, we're going to give him a shout out because he's been the key grip yeah. today getting it set up. But it is going to be a busy day tomorrow. Yeah. And a bit. And again, use that word bittersweet, yeah, bittersweet again. Right. But but uh, it will be. I'm going to guess you're going to literally blow the doors off. I think it'll be. You know, I think some people are going to enjoy coming to see. There's a lot of stuff here that there's some other stuff that wasn't on the walls I brought in. You know, yeah. Extra stuff I had at home, some programs and things. There's a lot of stuff I can't display because in the last couple of years, I haven't been able, there wasn't any wall space left. And <laughs> yeah. like my dad always told me the one room I couldn't put any Swiss, uh, Swiss room was just for Swiss items. So I was always honored that couldn't put, you know, sports stuff in that in there. So, or I couldn't put them on the ceiling, but I got a lot of things that I think everybody will enjoy just even just to come and see it and just reminisce. I think you, even if you don't even buy anything, just come by and say hello. You know, yeah. you know and I can thank you for being a customer and uh as much as you guys enjoy coming, I want to tell them I enjoy you guys being here. So yeah, no doubt. All right, last question: Do you have a favorite item of all time? Is there one that you just say this is my prized collection? Well, I guess I, somebody asked me that question this week too, and I have to think about. I got a football that uh, Drew sent me when he uh, had to pass the record of most yardage. He got one of the game balls for me and signed it, and a bunch of the guys were down at the game. Chris Clapton and Kelly Kitchell, the whole group, was down there and called me. So they got something coming for you, and they sent me a program signed to Big O, and the ball was signed to Big O, and it was the, it was when Drew had the had the record, had set the record for the NFL the NFL record for passing yardage, and that's one of my prize one of my prize items. That's something I always keep, and then I have a few Johnny Wooden stories. We had when Allen was involved with the Johnny Wooden with the reunion, yeah, with Golden Black, and we still got a bunch of that. And it's too bad we didn't have cell we didn't have camera cell phones back then. So we couldn't get any camera pictures. A lot. We had a party up to upstairs, old Bruno's, and Johnny Wooden held court, and everybody just sat there and listened to him. It was like unbelievable being in his presence. You know, it's yeah, it's, a, a chance of a lifetime. We also had Neil Armstrong and Gene Cernan. Right, one and of the Drew best. were here after NFF dinner. Yeah. That was probably one of my highlights of highlights of having here those guys here, and that and then got to be good friends with Gene Cernan for over the years. And uh, he came back here about three or four different times and talked about being on the moon and. How he wrecked the how he wrecked the moon rover and, uh, <laughs> yeah. he damaged the fender and I thought that was hilarious. So yeah, there is a story behind every piece. Maybe I don't, maybe we could have to do a new, do a new book. Maybe yeah, new I book. think that we might have to do a new book. Well, and I, I like the fact Rick Mount is over our shoulder. He's going to be on our show next week, and uh, we'll uh, and we'll talk about Big O. I'm sure while we sit at Stookies in Thorntown, yeah, we had a lot of we had, we had laughed a lot on the, when Rick was out the show. It was kind of fun to rest yeah, with him. Yeah, and uh, Glenn Robinson also over our shoulder as well. So make sure if you get the chance, and uh, and if you missed it, uh, stay in touch because be, there's more of this to come from. Uh, from from Big O, from Bruno's on down the line, but we we appreciate appreciate it. I appreciate everybody. Thank you very much, the community, everybody. Thank you. And, and speaking for my thanks, my, thanks, Al. Yeah, see, speaking for my compadres and my colleagues at Golden Black, uh, and all the people who've been involved with it all these years, we're grateful to you and all the great much. things you've done. So, all right, we're going to boiler up. Yeah, boiler up for Purdue is, uh, and we're going to have a, our third segment today. Tim Spiker, I think a guy that uh, when he was here for a couple years, a leadership guru, and he, I'm sure. You got to know him a little yep. bit as a walk-on. His dad was a trainer at Purdue. He will join him, <laughs> joins us for segment three. Tim's been a friend of the show, had him on last year. Uh a leadership, I call you a leadership guru. I don't know if that's a fair thing, but it really has an interesting <laughs> book that I've enjoyed that I think I can show here. The oh, leader, thank you. The only yeah. leaders worth following. Tim Spiker wrote it in 2020. 
really a manual of talking about leadership and and all the things you bring. But give us the elevator speech of what you. Uh, we know you you spent two years at, it was two years at Purdue as a walk on, yep. yep. and then and then transferred, but played with Matt Painter, yep. uh, and had the opportunity to go into this field. Give us give us a little bit of background for our our viewers on that. Yeah, probably about uh, seven or eight years after college, this just passion for the issue of leadership kicked on in me, and I just started researching and doing everything I could do to learn as much about the topic and. Thankfully, I had been around some pretty great leaders. And, you know, sometimes you realize things in the moment, but oftentimes it's only in hindsight. You're like, oh, wow, that was really exceptional. And I've had the chance to kind of look back on my life and see so many uh, great leaders. And, and of course, Gene Katie falls into that list really, really profoundly. So I've just uh, moved forward in working with organizations around the topic of leadership. It's never far from my mind and my heart. And so that's what I spend my time on when I'm not trying to catch uh, Purdue basketball and also trying to hang in there with four kids of my own. So that's what I'm up to. Yeah, yeah and that is a full plate. And then you matriculated to West Lafayette from Morgantown, West Virginia, correct? Is it well, I actually had a stop. At, I actually had to stop at Brewster Academy. So I actually okay, right. played against to- Zoe at New Hampton Prep. Uh, we were we were both up there. Now Brewster was competitive then. You know, it's at a different level now. But I probably I probably couldn't yeah. make the team at Brewster now. But yeah, no, I spent a prep a prep year before coming over to Purdue. And your dad obviously was also involved in the staff here as well, and a big part of what uh, of what uh, Purdue basketball and Purdue athletics is all about. All right, leadership. We talked about Gene Katie was back last weekend for the Indiana game. Let's talk about all those those leadership lessons that were that were brought to you that, that came to the fore that are still resonating with you all these years later from what Gene brought. There are, there are so many things that pop up. It's it's amazing, uh, really, and you just don't realize it's it's happening at the time. One of the things is like, how do you have an even keel as a leader? Which isn't to say that you aren't passionate. Nobody would ever accuse Gene Cady of not being passionate. Yeah. But one of the things that Coach would say to us is, "You're never as good or as bad as you think you are." And I remember a few years ago, I had a big business deal that unexpectedly fell through, and we were counting on it. We had planned a lot for it. And I remember sitting in my car in the parking lot at the age of 48. Yeah. And I'm hearing Gene Katie in my head. I'm hearing Gene Katie say, you're never as good or as bad as you think you are. In this case, you're not as bad as you think you are. Yeah. This didn't work out. But if you were to go back and look at the game tape, you know, theoretically, of how this deal went down and didn't yeah. happen, you would probably find that you're not, you didn't, you didn't screw it up quite as badly as you thought. You didn't get the, you didn't get the opportunity but maybe there were some other circumstances and it goes the other way as well. You get a, you get a great opportunity with a client in my space you start and like, well, there may be some circumstances that helped you out. So little things like you're never as good or as bad as you think you are. And then I would add into that. Um, you know, we had an emphasis of the day every day in practice. Yes. And, and once in a while it was about basketball. 
Yeah. Most of the time it was about life. And so when you look at a person like coach Katie and you see what he's up to as a leader, you know, the equivalent in the business world is you're only interested in the P and L you're only interested yeah. in the profit loss. You're not interested in the people in the, in the sports world. You're only interested in wins and losses and you're not really interested in your players as people. And Gene Katie was the opposite of that, which is why we all wanted to run through a wall for the guy because we knew that he cared about us more than just as basketball players. So those are a couple of things that come to mind when I think about Coach Katie. Well, I love that, that, that whole idea, the emphasis of the day. And I was a student manager long before you played, and we'd, we'd get the chalkboard out, and he'd write it down. And and you did kind of wonder, because Gene was always, you know, he was a he was a football guy, but a rough and tumble guy, and it was all about intensity. But to bring that to the table, I think, was always very, very telling about uh, the kind of guy he was and what he what it meant to him to be around young people and uh, to try to lead them. All right, Matt Painter has got a different is cut out of the same cloth in in a lot of ways. Different different personality certainly, sure. but no one sure. there is no per, there is no personality quite like Gene Katie. I don't think, but they broke <laughs> the mold. True. But Matt Matt has had had leadership challenges throughout his time. Extremely ses- successful tenure in West Lafayette. An interesting one this year, because obviously the last, the last three years, tournament hasn't always gone the way that uh, Matt and, and company would like to have it have it uh, go. As you watched uh, this team now 23-2 and two after a, a harrowing win last night against Minnesota. <laughs> um, but just talk about what you observe uh, from what, what you see from Matt Painter and how he has dealt with it this season and moving his team forward. Well, you see a few different things. I think the the biggest thing is the culture of the program. We can talk about X and O things to do with this team versus that team. But when you look at talented athletes who are bought in to the idea of not only the team, but Purdue, uh, you know, there, there is something very special going on when you can find people who know how to play are coachable and are more committed to the group than to themselves, especially in this day and age. I mean, thank goodness there wasn't social media when I was in college. Like, goodness <laughs> gracious. Like, I, I just, I can't yeah. even imagine how that would have been. <laughs> but this world invites high, you know, high level athletes to be all about themselves. And if you just look back through this program and how it has evolved under Matt's leadership, I don't think you end up with a culture like this by accident. Um, One of the things we talk with our clients about as a leadership responsibility is driving culture. That's not something that happens. uh, You know, you don't just hope for it. You plan for it. You work on it. And I just I just think there are so many things to be excited about. Um, But ultimately, I think one of the main ones is the culture that Matt and the staff, Brandon, Elliot, others. I know I'm not naming everybody here, but some of the folks I get a chance to interact with come to mind or did interact with many years ago. I just think there's a very, very special program development reality going on at Purdue that is very rare. You know, one of the things that's been interesting about Matt Painter, of course, one of the top coaches in college basketball, excuse me, and his ability to delegate, um, we've talked, there's been much written about PJ Thompson running the yep. offense and getting in the huddle, getting in the huddle uh, at a key point of the game and Matt listening to him. There was a, a viral video on that to uh, Sasha Stefanovic being handling out of bounds plays. 
but the ability for a leader to to give up some of the reins and let others do it that's a big part of what this is all about yeah i mean you you have to not let your ego get in the way and you have to also be see matt's job is not only to be four players but to be for his assistant coaches and so yeah. creating opportunities now now he's doing this thing that is pretty pretty new here in college basketball this level of specialization that is a yeah. that is a new yeah. thing and here's the thing that would be really really hard as a leader um and that is how do you let go of things that you're really good at cuz i'm here to tell you right now you know 28 years ago it was very obvious <laughs> that matt painter knew x's and o's i mean uh you know i i I oftentimes will share a story where I won't get into all the details, but let's just say there was a game at a critical point where Matt Painter interrupted Gene Cady in the huddle to tell him that we needed to run a different play. And we ran a different play because yeah. of that. Now that can't happen every day. There's a hierarchy and there's some, you know, but, it, but it did happen the one time. And so when I I'm telling you, Matt Painter is as good an X and O person as there is in the country. And I know that some people want to point to some of those tournament losses and question that. But if you look at the long arc, you're going to be hard pressed. And so when he's delegating things to Sasha or PJ, like he's delegating things. He's not a dummy in those things. Yeah. But he is. So it requires some level of humility and some desire, I think, to develop your staff. And then you as a leader, you get to say, oh, wait, if I'm not doing that every day, what does this allow me to focus on as well? So there's a there's a really interesting dynamic that goes on there. But if I were as talented in X and O's as Matt Painter is, yeah. I would have a hard time letting go of some of those things. So uh, now, of course, PJ and others they're pretty aware of that too. So like, okay, I better step up. <laughs> I better I better really know my stuff if if this guy who knows so much is entrusting it to me. Yeah, Matt, you know, talked about it on Thursday's press conference, but he used the exact same phrase that I had to check my ego at the door a little bit and realize that. But I think, you know, really I didn't I didn't see it. Dynamic. So that's not a plant. I did yeah. not see that press conference. So. No, no, you yeah. were you were, But it, it is it was really so much of that, that uh, that I think it's interesting. His humility seems to really come out uh, at important times. And you have to think that his teammates or his 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 players get that uh in space all right one other leadership Absolutely. question i have in a specific yeah. and i'll let you interject zach Eady, interesting yeah. character because we talked with chad q brown last week about his personality profile very steady very even you see that on the basketball court but uh when you look at a guy that, that you don't typically have leaders at seven foot four in basketball it's usually that <laughs> point true. guard or, or whatever true. that is but talk about what you see from zach and how he handles himself and how he how he leads this basketball team because i think he really does well i think about the word you know john maxwell great leadership author he sums all of leadership yeah. up into one word he calls it influence and ultimately yeah. when you have a player as talented and successful yeah, as zach Eady, whether zach wants to be an influence or not he's going to be you know, way, way back, in, you know, our version of that back in the day from for us was was Woody Austin. Woody Austin yeah. couldn't help but be an influence because he was so talented and and such a key part of what's going on. The, the reality, so, so Zach's going to have influence whether he wants it or not. Now add in yeah. his steady demeanor. And that is something that is stabilizing. And, and again, I think you I think you see this when I say steady. I'm not talking about dispassionate. There's plenty of passion, yeah. 
but you don't let, you know, you don't do the whole amygdala hijack thing where you let your brain go haywire and you're not, you're right. not in charge of it anymore. You have passion, but you are measured. And I think that's stabilizing for everybody around any endeavor, be it athletic or otherwise. So it's yeah. really, it's really admirable. And, and on top of that, I mean, just listen to Zach talk about his teammates and the team and the program. I mean, for Pete's sake, it, it, barring some catastrophe, he's going to be a two-time national player of the year. And you don't hear Zach Eady walking around just talking about how great he is all the time. And yet he is. So when you're, when your top player is behaving that way and influencing that way, again, back to the culture thing, that's what an incredible asset. Yeah. Tongue in cheek here, but he will also, as his leadership skills, he'll lead by example and work on those free throws because he's been so good. And he's, <laughs> he's going through a going through a patch. Maybe Tim Spiker could come and give him some lessons of uh, oh, the sixteen uh, steps of. But no, we, Zach does Zach is really a very good free throw shooter. He he's just going, I think, going through a he rough is. patch. Yeah, uh, and uh, and it'll be interesting to see how. But you know one thing about him, and there is, I guess, I want to ask you about the correlation between hard work and leadership. There is something to it. He leads also by the fact that uh, you know darn well he and Trey Kaufman Wren will be spending extra time shooting yeah. free throws until uh, yeah. until they can't shoot anymore. That's been the <laughs> mo. Well, I mean, if you if you just think about any job that any of us have had, if we look at the leader who's coming in late and leaving early and taking extra vacation. And then they show up with some kind of rah-rah speech someday. We're all going to go like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, like I'm yeah. listening to you. You're using your position for perks. You're not, you're not leveraging this to make this all better for all of us. And so of course, when it comes to hard work and you know, and at Purdue, all you got to do is look at the back of the practice shorts. Like this is not, yeah. it's not confusing what we're about when it comes to that. Uh, you know, it's painted on, uh, you know, over top where we run out onto the court. It's a requirement. And it's absolutely true that if a, if a leader's not going to, they can't just talk about it. They have to also show up and be an example. And no doubt that is critically important. All right. You came as a walk on. I want to I one other person I want to talk is football related. And it also is an unbelievable situation. Aiden O'Connell goes from walk on, uh, bided his time as a, as a seventh <laughs> string quarterback and tight end in practice to now being. I think he's going to have an he would no doubt he's going to have an NFL career. He's shown that whether yeah. he's going to be a starter for the next five, 10 years, who knows? But he yeah. has shown that. Just talk about that mindset of a guy that uh, like you, you wanted to get, get on the court. Uh, Aiden O'Connell wanted to play and probably had to listen to people say, you're never going <laughs> to, it's never going to work for you. But that yeah. mentality of, you know, that stick to itiveness and that uh, thing in your fiber that gets that done. Well, I, you know, for me, I think it was a journey of faith uh, of sorts. You know, I believed yeah. that, that God had a path for me. Now I didn't know that it was yeah. going to, I, I remember a very late night, long negotiation. <laughs> God, if you can just make this, if I can just make this team, I've got all this plans for you. Of course, he's he's laughing at me. Like, he's like, yeah. I don't, it's, it's all right. Man plans, um, God laughs, right? That's yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> but it really was a just taking a step in faith. You know, for me, it was, uh, are you going to go play division three or do you want to try to give this a shot with no, with no guarantees? <laughs> But, um, you know, as it, as it turned out, it really was probably kind of a development of my own character in a sense to just 
show up the next day, keep believing, show up the next day, keep believing. And, you know, I remember, I remember the day that I realized that it actually made the team. And I was talking with my mom, many other people around the program, our managers and such says, Hey, I was playing, I came from Brewster. So I did have an opportunity. I came during the summer, we played pickup. So they got a sense for whether or not this was even possible. And then when I came back in the fall, I was with the team the whole time as we, mm-hmm. so I, the, the whole kind of the one day walk on tryout, that wasn't my story. And frankly, yeah. if it had been, I probably wouldn't have made the team because my, my game yeah. doesn't stand out in that way. Yeah. But we go through the fall, things are going well and we're starting practice. And, and I think it was my mom asked me or, or, you know, actually a couple of different people and I was like, when are you going to say I've made the team? And I said to myself, I will say I've made the team when my name's on a locker. So we're coming up, we're weekend to practice. I didn't have practice gear. I, the day before practice, I was like, coach, like, do you want me to, what, what do you want me to do for practice? I just didn't want to make any assumptions, right? I wasn't, and he said, yeah, go down to the cage and Mark Clark took care of me. It was about a week later, I came in, I sat my books down. I would, I had been getting dressed at an empty locker, just didn't have a name on it at all. Yeah. And I was just taking off my shoes and I look up and it said Tim Spiker, number four. And I, I was like, and nobody else was in the locker room. And I was like, I mean, I could all, I almost start crying thinking about it now. I mean, it was um, a really, really special moment that I felt so blessed to be a part of. Yeah, no doubt. The story, the rest is history, so to speak. Number four, let's see, there's been Kyle Macy, there's been Rob Hummel, there's been Tim Spiker. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, sure and there Tim have been Spiker others. comes to mind for, for many people. Around oh, we like, to th- yeah. we like to throw tri- yeah. trivia into all this stuff, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the great Rob Hummel is uh, oh, man. Uh, enjoying the great what a, what a, now. Robbie Hummel yes, is he phenomenal, is. And, and he, absolutely. And like, and like you, he's also about uh, as good a person as you're going to find. And that, mm. that in the in the grand scheme is kind of what this is all about: is having right. having good right. people around you. And uh, yeah. and uh, we're we're privileged to spend a little bit of time with you. Okay, the book, and he's not selling his book, but I just like this book so much. The only <laughs> le- leaders worth following, the only leaders worth following, by Tim Spiker, written in 2020. Yeah, and uh, we'll get you a link. Uh, Tim, I uh, send me a link, and we'll get it on our Thanks. message boards as well, you, so where people can pick it up. And uh, and a Tim is not guaranteeing a national championship for the Boilermakers, no. but I think that would be a, that would make your April eighth pretty special. If, uh, oh, that it happens, certainly huh? would. It certainly <laughs> would. I mean, we've all kind of we've all jumped at that. Anybody who has a connection, certainly you don't have to be on the team to care about that. The whole community is leaning in, and you know, to me, when I watch what's going on with this team, this uh, frankly, when you compare what did happen not only against FDU, but in the last portion of the season, you see changes. You you see yeah. things are different. And Matt said it after the season last year, you know, I'd be stupid not to cons- not to reconsider some things. And this yeah. is something else about Matt that I want to point out that's pretty rare in this day and age, but somebody who's willing to take responsibility. If we go back, I want to say eight or nine years ago, when we had some really rough times and we were at the bottom of the Big Ten, and Matt yeah. didn't. I mean, it's just rare that people want to say, hey, it's my responsibility and really mean it. I know people like do that kind of as a fake thing. But Matt said, look, we've got guys that don't know how to play hard and it's up to me to make sure they learn how to do that. And if they can't learn that, then it's up to me to get the right guys in the program. So no matter how you want to do the math, it's on me. And you just don't, I mean, you got to think about what Matt has at stake to say that publicly. Maybe he's just saying the thing that's obvious, but many people don't say that. They don't take that responsibility. 
thankfully Purdue is a place that wasn't moving as quickly, too quickly, I would say, as most athletic programs do. And now, as he made a shift through that experience, he made changes. Now we have the program that we have today that that is doing amazing things. So I just love watching, noticing some of the changes. You see, I saw somebody posted on on. I guess I'm supposed to say X now. I was going to say Twitter, but somebody posted yeah. like the difference between at this point this season and that and last season is joy, and you see that. I don't know if we can credit that. Um, you know, particularly to Lance, perhaps he's a lot of fun. Oh, uh, I think a lot of it. Yeah. But there, there is, you know, uh, nobody learned how to shoot a three this year. So if you want to go down the line and kind of whether it's Lance or um, Fletcher, Mason Gillis obviously is just lethal at this point from, and it's not like Braden Smith's not going to hit one either. They're better, yes, but the the bigger part is not that somebody shot a, a, a bunch. I'm glad they shoot their thousands of threes during the summer, absolutely. Um, but there is a different kind of freedom that's going on right now that is different than last year. And if if the ball doesn't go through Zach at times, we're still playing basketball. And I, I think yeah. that is the biggest difference between uh, last year and this year. So it's just so it's such an easy. I know I'm totally biased. But I think <laughs> I, I think it's such an easy team to cheer for when you look at the whole of what's going on. No doubt. And they're doing that in in uh spades and Mac Arena every time. Only three more, three more home games. Yeah. Uh, but uh uh and it'll be a bittersweet day. You got one more point. Go ahead, fire away. Yeah, I gotta say something about the IU game. I yeah. I, I mean <laughs> So I have a buddy of mine, Steve Swain. He works for the Big Ten Network, and he and I are conversing a lot. He knows a lot about basketball. And one of the things that he shared with me that it, I, I I wouldn't have been able to say it on my own, but he said it, and that was it. But he just talked about, I never wanted that game to end. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's actually, that's exactly how I felt. We were in such control. There was, a, I mean, I, I'll have to confess here. Maybe it's because I'm the guy that only got in when we were yeah. up by a bunch, but I wanted to win by 30. Like we're up by 28. Yeah. Like I, I would have, you know, and then gun hits a couple threes and dials it back a little bit, but we were in such control of that game. I have never that I can recall in my life. And I'm 51 at this point. I don't ever remember watching an IU game just totally relaxed. Like this yeah. is just fun. This is just fun. And then and and then you know I'm I'm glad that that Zach Eady finally had a, an experience of what it is like to be Tommy Loose. Like I'm glad yeah. that like Zach <laughs> finally figured out when you're holding the ball beyond the three point line and everybody in the arena wants you to shoot it and he does. And you know I'd like to see the decibel levels be, between Tommy's two threes against Iowa years ago and Zach's oh, yeah, the other night. That was yeah. such an awesome moment. And everybody, I think everybody understands that they're a part of it. They're watching it, but they're 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 also a part of it. And it's just I, I've never had an experience watching an IU game like I did in that one. And it was just I did I Steve Swain, my buddy, he said it right. I did not want it to end. I just wanted them to keep playing. So that was that was awfully fun uh last week. And then and then we'll we'll keep going. All right, that is the secret sauce of Mackey Arena in Purdue basketball right now, and that is that uh, that uh, 
amazing show that uh, Purdue continues to put on on it in it not at home and away. So we'll look forward yeah. to watching the Boilermakers Sunday uh, against Ohio State, yeah. which will be a challenge yeah. of sorts and uh, uh, as well. But uh, we appreciate that. Tim, thanks so much. Always enlightening. We're grateful for your time today. You are a busy man, and we appreciate you making time. I want to thank you all for watching or listening Saturday Simulcast, the February 17th edition. Thanks to our guests, of course, uh, Tom Deanhart and Mike Carmen providing their expertise, and, and then also Orlando Eiton and the folks at uh, Bruno's for hosting us for that segment, and, and of course, Tim Spiker, uh, former Purdue basketball player, leadership advisor and guru. We appreciate them. Next week, we will have, uh, we're expected to have kind of the all-American Purdue basketball great show. Rick Mount and Dave Shellhouse will join us as well as we probably also be looking forward to the Purdue-Michigan men's basketball game. So thanks to Union Club Hotel. Have a great weekend, everybody. And thanks for watching and listening. And if you haven't subscribed to goldenblack.com, it's a good idea. We do have a website and we appreciate uh, those that do, the thousands that do, but goldenblack.com for uh, the best conversation on Knucklehead Central, but also uh, we believe the best content on Purdue Sports on the internet. So again, thank you. No matter how you watch, as Brian Newbert always says, watch, view, uh, digest, ingest our materials. We appreciate you very much. Have a great weekend all. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.